four, sorry. Good evening, everybody. Am I on? Okay, I'm on. All right. Um, if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, uh, verses, uh, we're going to be in verses 43 through 46. Um, the war of words study that we've been in has been, uh, I have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed being able to teach a little bit of it, been able to sit in and sit under the teaching of Pastor and Brother Andy. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and then kind of where we're going to be at tonight is getting down to the nitty gritty. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to uh, just kind of reiterate a couple things that Aaron mentioned. Uh, and one of those is um, the yard sale. As a parent of three teenagers, uh, we do appreciate, you know, uh, your donations to the yard sale. Uh, I know there's been uh, many, uh, I was going to say man hours, but most of them have been woman hours uh, that have gone into the uh, preparation for the yard sale. Uh, and so we are looking forward to a good day Saturday. Like you said, rain or shine. I'm hoping that it's sunny and it's nice uh, and we can uh, put some of this stuff outside and, and just attract more of a, uh, of a group from the neighborhood to come in. Um, you know, anything that we do here should be an outreach. Uh, and so as even if you're not looking to buy something, if you just want to come and um, just support the teens. You could be a friendly face um, to invite somebody to church, to uh, talk to somebody, use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Um, and so uh, that and then the, the Night of Hope. I am, I am super excited uh, for the Night of Hope um, for a number of different reasons. Um, my sister-in-law uh, is going to be in town that week. Her daughter's on uh, spring break that week, so they're going to be coming down. And she was talking to uh, my wife uh, this last weekend about a friend of hers who um, just has a lot of depression and, and she has, um, she's been abused in the past and so she carries a lot of that with her. And uh, it ultimately came to the point to where my sister-in-law said, I'm just not equipped to help her handle this because so many of the things that we deal with in our life and, and if we don't address it and deal with it and even even one of the examples we're going to talk about here tonight um, if we don't get it taken care of it will sit and fester and then something else gets piled on top of it and it just builds up and builds up until the pressure is so great underneath it just blows up um, and especially in Leah's case she has two kids you know at home and, and a husband and she, she was feel, almost feeling guilty that I'm not equipped to, to help her with these things. And at the end of the day, most of us are not. There are professional people who have trained and studied and God has, has enabled to help with a lot of those things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the best thing that any one of us can do for someone who is hurting, someone who needs help and, and ha really feels hopeless, is to point them to Christ. Uh, I don't want to, uh, to belittle the issues that, that people face in their lives by saying, well, you just need Jesus, because Jesus is a starting place. Um, we can find all of the answers in Christ. That doesn't mean it's not going to be, you know, let me give my life to Christ and get help elsewhere, because he, he gives all that. 
He gives us everything that we need. Um, but it is a, it's really a time where we can just get out there and talk to people. Uh, you know, I was thinking about, we live on the north side, and I was telling the kids, I said, you know, I want to do more of our shopping, more of our running around in this area um, just to be a face. You know, it's one thing if I have a, one of our church invitation cards, it's got pastor's picture on it to be able to say, hey, you want to come to church with us? You know, now if I'm up at the River City Marketplace and say, hey, you know, we're down in Arlington, you know, most of them are going to be like, well, I'm not going to come down there. But if I'm over here, if I'm down here at the Publix, you know, and really with something like this, a lot of people carry this on their face. They carry it in their body language. You know, if you just, just a simple, hey, how you doing today? Well, you know, I feel like nobody cares. You know what? There is somebody who cares. And here's an invitation to come to our Night of Hope. We're going to have a dessert fellowship afterwards, but there's going to be some powerful testimonies from, you know, the former chief of police here in Arlington, uh, Lakeisha Burton. We've got a, a pastor who's going to be coming in who really dealt with depression, and, um, you know, it's just a, an outlet, you know, to find out more about what helped them. And um, it's free, you know, but if you can see that, if you see the people, see their faces, if you're willing to use your words, to even just a smile, uh, to be an outreach and, and a help to somebody. Uh, I know that would be a blessing to, uh, to them and also to us. You know, it's, it is always a joy to see this place packed out. Um, you know, just to know that people are hearing the gospel uh, and are going to be a part of, uh, of an amazing um, night of worship. Um, it's, it's very exciting. So we are, we are excited for that. Um, Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 43 through 46. This is Christ talking here. Uh, and he's talking about a fruit tree. Now, when I was a kid, um, I think I mentioned this before. You know, my, my picture of the Garden of Eden is the garden that was in my grandparents' backyard. In the corner of that garden was an apple tree. Now, I didn't like apples. I still don't really like apples that much. If they're cooked, I'll eat them. If they're in a pie or a turnover or something like that, all day long. But just to go pick up an apple and start chomping on it, it's not really my thing. And I was thinking about that tree as I was reading this passage. The only thing those apples were good for to me were baseballs. That was it. I was too short to be able to actually reach up and grab them off of the tree. Uh, and I had been threatened to not climb the tree or I would have done that. So the only ones that I could get my hands on were the ones that were on the ground that were uh, bruised, uh, had been eaten on by the animals or the insects or whatever. And so the only thing they were good to me for was a baseball. Um, and so as we get into reading this, this is, that's, that's the picture that I had here. But verse 43, Christ is speaking here. He says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his, of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, this was not in my notes. This was just a um, something that actually happened this, this evening. Amelia, uh, so with our girls growing up, with our older three, we were very strict with whatever music 
they could listen to. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Ron Hamilton or Patch the Pirate, um, but they're based out of uh, Greenville, South Carolina, uh, around the Bob Jones University area, and everything is very neat, prim, proper. You know, there's nothing that's going to rock the boat with anybody. No one would be offended by Patch the Pirate. Um, well, as we have grown in grace and as we have made our move down here, we've kind of expanded our borders a little bit. Uh, and so what, one thing we've had to do recently is kind of rein it back in. Um, the, what really kind of nailed it in was when my six-year-old came in singing a Taylor Swift song about having a long list of ex-boyfriends. And I was like, no, no, time out. We got we to gotta pull the reins back on that. And the six-year-old, Amelia, she didn't understand that. She said, Daddy, why can't we listen to that music? Why do we have to listen to what they call Jesus music? And so I told him, I said, I'm just kind of thinking, this was a conversation we had Sunday morning uh, that she asked me about to, uh, this evening. And I said, well, I said, you know, Jesus music is like healthy food. You know, we want to eat food that's going to be healthy, that's going to provide nutrients and nourishment to our body. Uh, and, and the other stuff, the, the more fun music, the stuff that we wouldn't classify as Jesus music, it's kind of like candy. It's fun. You like it. But you can't have too much of it. What happens if you have too much of it? Well, you'll get a bellyache. That's exactly right. I'm about sick of Taylor Swift. Um, but she remembered that. And it just kind of, it kind of lodged in, in just thinking about the, the diet that we have and that that's going to come out in our words out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh I would much rather Abigail run up to you and start singing to you the lyrics to Maddie Mullins the devil's got no hold on me than you over here Amelia singing about all of her ex-boyfriends um, that's what I want for my kids that's what I want for myself that's what we should all want for ourselves because that's what Christ wants for his church. As we've gone through the war of word study, we, we have well established that our words are important. Uh, we have examined the different way that words can hurt, that words can encourage. We've kind of looked all around. You know, I think about the, um, the children of Israel marching around Jericho. We have marched around the topic of, of the war of words for quite some time now. Well, now it's getting into that seventh day where we're going to march around it seven times and the walls are going to come tumbling down. Um, because really, this is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, the title of the lesson today, uh, tonight, is First Things First. Where do we actually make the changes? Um, as I got to thinking about deciding to make a change, I, I immediately thought about our move from Memphis to Florida. I remember the exact moment when the Lord just gave me the green light. And I was able to say with confidence, let's go. Uh, every step along the way that, you know, that, that green light was given. Uh, I think about when I was a freshman in high school, I was in ROTC. Uh, it was... Uh, nothing noble. It was a way that I could get out of taking gym because uh, I would get my PE credit. 
But I remember them teaching us in our formations to do the about face. And that's really what repentance is. When we think about repentance in church, we, we, um, we automatically think about repenting of our sins. But just the word repent just means to change direction. Um, we've illustrated it before. You'll, you know, I have, pastors have. But if I'm going this way, uh, down a path, and then I make a decision, and I change course. Now I'm going this way. That was the moment of repentance. Not when I said, okay, there's a problem. Not when I said I should change. But when I actually made the decision to change. Two totally different things. And so many times in, in not just our Christian lives, but in life in general, we know there's a problem. We don't want to do anything about it. Um, when it really hits home, that's when we decide that we have to make a change. In our war of, when we're looking at the war of words, there has to be a moment where we make a decision. I know my words are important. I know I need to change the way I use my words. And so, with God's help, from this moment on, I'm going to change the way that I use my words. And that's what we're really going to be looking at tonight is how do we really make that change? Um, repentance in Scripture is defined as a change in your heart that begins with a change in your life. Um, I thought this was interesting in uh, the book of Joel, chapter 2, um, verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Verse 13, this is now Joel talking. So rend your heart and not your garments. In this day and age, in this culture, to a sign of... Um, sorrow, a sign of um, repentance would be to tear your clothes. He says, rend your heart, not your clothes. I remember hearing uh, a number of years ago, uh, Kenny Baldwin, who I believe has preached here before, uh, but this was a sermon that he had preached over at Teen Extreme in Pensacola, I believe, but he was basically preaching to these teenagers who if any of you have ever been to teen camp, at the end of every night after the services, you know, of course, there's an altar call. You raise your hands, you go talk to your counselors, and you fill out a, a decision card. You know, this is what I'm, you know, I'm going to give up worldly music, or I'm going to read my Bible. You know, whatever it is, they give you a decision card. And he said, and and this really stuck with me, is he said, I don't care about your decision cards. You don't get to fill out your decision cards. He said, we're going to send blank decision cards back home, and we're going to let your youth leaders and your parents and your pastors fill out your decision cards in six months to really see, okay, is this, is this a real change, or is this just something that I know I need to do? Um, and that's, that's really kind of where we're at here. So we're going to look at the foundations of repentance, uh, and the first one the first foundation of repentance is a heart that embraces the gospel. 
a heart that embraces the gospel. As I was thinking about this, um, and the word embrace, the best way for me to describe the word embrace, and I might, uh, I might embarrass him, but I don't care. He's family. Uh, Kale. Uh, most times, if you are in this room and you see Abigail up here, we're probably, we're probably here for early for worship or whatever, and if Kale walks in the door, Abigail will take off at hyperspeed and run to Kale, and he bends down, and he picks her up, and he wraps his, arm around, his arms around her. Nikhail has had a very unique relationship with Abigail. She was the first baby that he was ever around, uh, and she took to him. Uh, I think it's because, unfortunately for him, he looks a little bit like her dad. Uh, but she has that, that unique relationship with Kale to where every time she sees him, he's a little across the street. He walked in the other night to come help uh, Isabella with some homework, and Abigail shot up off the couch and ran to the door. Bethany always jokes, Bethany's here too, because she doesn't get the hug, she doesn't get the embrace. But that's the way that we are called to embrace the gospel. We are to make it everything, we are to hold on to it. Because if the gospel is not true, what are we here for? First Corinthians tells us that the gospel is basically the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's it. We don't have to make it any more difficult, any more complicated. That's all it is. The gospel, the good news, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, and now sits on the throne in heaven. That's it. He paid the penalty for our sins. That is the good news. Um, how do we really embrace the gospel? We, we embrace the forgiveness of sins. You know, even before we accept it, we have to, to realize that it's there. Uh, it's often said you can't be, you never know that you need to be found unless you first realize you're lost. I can't, I can't properly share the gospel with someone and expect them to accept it if they don't first realize that they're lost, that they need to be saved. There are a number of people who use um, a, an evangelism technique that takes you back to the law. Have you ever killed anybody? No, I've never killed anybody. Well, Jesus said if you've been angry with somebody, you've killed them. So, I ask again, have you killed anybody? Well, if you put it that way. Have you ever committed adultery? Nope, never done that. The Bible says if you've looked on a woman with lust after, you've committed adultery in your heart already. Oh. Have you ever stolen anything? No. What? Well, you said you weren't a murderer, and you said you weren't an adulterer. Are you sure you've never stolen anything? Okay, maybe I've stolen something. Have you ever lied? Nope, you just did and so then they say, okay, so by your own admission, you are a murdering, adulterous, you know, lying thief. What do you think Christ is going to say to you when you stand before him to enter heaven? Oh, well, okay, well, if you put it that way, I don't deserve to go into heaven. You've first got to see that you need to be forgiven, so you need to embrace that forgiveness. We need to embrace deliverance from sin. Go with me to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. 
It's a little bit of a lengthy portion here. Um, but this is, this is an area that personally, and I, I've talked about this before, I've talked about the, the lyrics to those songs where I ran out of the grave. Uh, and we think about the, the bondage that we were under. Uh, but Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14 here, dead to sin, alive to God. Um, and instead of reading the whole passage, let's just go to, uh, chapter, to verse 12 there. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Even if we embrace that we can be forgiven for our sins, if we don't realize that we have been delivered from the bondage of sin, we will never fully experience the gospel. You know, it's, it's, it's like that word picture of being in chains of sin in the grave. And to think about the lyrics of that song, you called my name and I ran out of the grave. No longer am I bound to have to sin. I, ha I have been delivered from that. Uh, we have, we uh, embrace forgiveness. We embrace deliverance. We embrace strength to know that Christ has enabled us to resist sin, to resist the temptations that so easily beset us. Uh, we are called to embrace restoration, to repair those damaged relationships that we have, uh, that, that our sin caused. And then finally, we embrace reconciliation, not just restoring the relationships, but making them right. Um, you know, I think about the, the, the parent-child relationship. You know, if right now we have blue and green stains on our light gray colored chair and a half. Someone, I don't know who, I still haven't figured this out, but someone gave our kids a slime kit for Christmas. And uh, they used it and it's now on our furniture. Now there is no reconciliation for that. Like it is there. I have scrubbed it. I've done everything I can do to get that out and make it go away. But the restoration, when they came and said, you know, big puffy dog eyes, Daddy, I'm sorry. Okay. You know, <laughs> the relationship's restored. The couch is not reconciled. But through Christ, it's as if we never sinned. That's the thing that blows my mind about God, is our sins have, are, are separated as far as the east is from the west. Again, my mind, when I first heard that verse, I'm thinking, okay, the East Coast and the West Coast. That's pretty far away. No, no, no. East never meets West. If I, take, if I get out here on Maryland, I start heading East, and I go all the way, eventually, I'm going to be wet, and I'm going to be dirty, and then I'm going to be wet again, and I'm going to be exhausted, but I'm going to come walking up Merrill Road from the west because I was heading east the whole time. That's how, that's how amazing our God is. 
all of the sin that has marred my life, he doesn't see. He's on the other side of that cross. So when he looks at me, he sees the atoning sacrifice of Christ. And if we can wrap our minds and wrap our, our lives around that fact, it will completely change the way we do everything. Not just our war of words, but everything. So first we have to embrace the gospel. The second step of repentance is confession. Um, this is kind of where we're getting into, okay, the war of words. Um, in the book here, The War of Words by Paul Tripp, he gives us the story of Bob and Mary. And this was a couple that he was counseling. I'm assuming he's changed the name to protect the innocent or the guilty or whatever we want to say. But he, um, he says in, uh, in this particular couple, Mary has an anger issue. Now, they have three small kids at home. Uh, I think the twins are three, and then they've got a two-year-old. Um, but Bob, his biggest complaint is Mary's anger issue. And through counseling, he told Bob, he said, you need to speak truth to your wife. So without going through everything, um, they come back in for the next counseling session, and Bob says, I did what you said, you know, and starts laying it out there. And, and uh, Paul Tripp recounts two polar opposite feelings that he got from Bob's story and the look on Mary's face. And so he halted Bob's story and he said, Mary, I want to hear about this from your point of view. And Mary goes on to recount the evening, or really the day, that she had decided early in the day that they were going to, she was going to fix a home-cooked meal for the first time in a long time. And so she had worked hard all day long to, to have this nice evening planned and then as, as always does, you know, the kids are going to be rowdy. One of them spills a drink. The other two are laughing at them. And she snaps. And she starts yelling. And she said she looked over at Bob, who was just glaring at her and staring at her, until eventually he let loose. And in a very gentle tone, told her that, she was terrible, and he feared that his kids would be in, in therapy for the rest of their lives, and uh, that he doesn't know how she could claim to be a Christian with an attitude like that, and very calmly said all these terrible, degrading things, to which she dumbfoundedly looked over at the kids who were sitting there watching the whole thing unfold. And so a lot of, you know, kind of what he's going through in here is talking about the war of words. And, and in this particular instance, Mary still has her share of guilt for the unresolved, unrepentant issues that she has. But he really goes after Bob because Bob had this self-righteous, you know, holier-than-thou attitude, and he was not being the protector and the pastor and really as as he put this this kind of stuck with me being the spokesperson for God that he should have been because that is not how God is um, the attitudes 
that go along with our words. It's not just, Lord, I need to change my words. Because we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if we just say, Lord, help me with my words, the problem's here. So what are some of these uh, that we might need to uh, repent of? Doubt. If we're doubting God and doubting his promises, if we're living uh, in fear and speaking these words out of fear, out of anger, out of vengeance, self-righteousness, selfishness, hopelessness, all of these things are, are things that we need to repent of. Like if I have a, an attitude in my heart of doubt, God, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, read, I read the Bible, I go to church, I, I listen to the preaching, the worship, and it, it all sounds good, but I just, I, I can't. Well, that's doubt, and that's sin. Whatever is, is not a faith is sin. Um, so when we are looking at our words, we cannot just look at our words. We have to look at the underlying issues and what's causing them. Um, again, in, in any relationship, the uh, husband-wife relationship, the uh, parent-child relationship, and that can go, for, if you're the parent or you're the child, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be friction. Um, did I, did I show you all the, the friction analogy that I, I give the kids? Yeah. And I know I did to somebody. Uh, but for those of you who weren't here, you know, anytime there's friction uh, in, in, amongst our kids, if they're fighting, arguing, and I come in, all right, what happened in there? Blah, 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 blah. Five daughters, that's all I get. Blah, 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 blah. At the, at the end of it, I just like, look, I don't care. Everybody, stand, so whoever's, whoever's involved, they stand in front of me. As I do what I do, put their hands together, start rubbing them together. And then we sit there for a minute and they're like, okay, dad, I know where you're going with this. I'm like, no, nope, we're going to go through this. What's happening? What's happening in your hands? They're getting hot. You're building up friction. And so all of a sudden, I mean, now we're in a groove and I'm like, okay, this is, you're the left hand, you're the right hand. You're building up this friction because you won't stop grading on each other. Now, one of you walk away. And I'm like, what's the other one doing? Looking like an idiot. That's it. So somebody has to be the bigger person and just say, okay, I'm going to step away. But I just think about those, those the friction that, that happens in our, in our relationships. And it can be friction with the person who parks next to you at, at, at the grocery store. You know, the other day we were... Uh, Sarah and I, we took the kids uh, down to Volcano Bay and we sent the kids back with, uh, with grandparents and aunts and Sarah and I went to uh, dinner in Orlando and we pulled up to park and there was a nice little Corvette there with New York tags that was parked over three spaces. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, I just want to pull right up next to him and, you know climb out the passenger side door just so he can't get in you know that's just that's just friction you know I'm, I'm human um but it can happen in any of our relationships and there's an underlying cause behind it be it pride be it doubt be it anger whatever something 
is, is, is down at the root, and that is what needs to be repented of. Commitment. Uh, go with me to Colossians chapter 3. The third step of repentance is commitment. Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Verse 12. And the heading here kind of tells it all. The character of the new man. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we say, how do we live the Christian life? This is it. This passage is the most uh, concise portion of scripture that Paul, where, where Paul has written, and he gives us the how-to. This is this could be entitled "Christian Life for Dummies." Like, let's just nail this down, and if we can nail this down, all the rest of it is going to be okay. Um. God provides all of these things to help us make that commitment to the repentance. So we have repented of, you know, these issues that are causing the war of words. God enables us to sure up that commitment. How does he do it? He provides compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, love, peace, all of these things that God has freely given us. Now, all these are, are on, the, on the, the shelves in the storehouse of heaven that we have access to. All we've got to do is go and say, God, I need some more forbearance with this issue. You know my heart. You know, you know my desires with this, and you know how... This situation is just grated on me for so long. Please help me with it, Lord. If you need gentleness, gentleness is a big one with me. Uh, I, I was never around babies when I was growing up. Um, Kayla was, I was six when Kayla was born. Uh, and after that, there was like no babies. I, I never... You know, I was a teenage boy. I didn't, I didn't care about babies. So Sarah and I got married at 21. Emma was born at, uh, I was 22. And a friend of Sarah's from nursing school worked in the labor and delivery unit at the hospital where Emma was born. And I will never forget the first day of her life I held her, I mean, like I was going to break her. 
like I, I didn't I, I wanted to be careful when I put her down and and when I handed her to Sarah you know I mean all these things I was just being so careful and 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 gentle I didn't want to break her Linwood her her friend from nursing school came in the next day he's like all right let's see this little squirt and so I'm I'm holding her and I, I get up and I hand it to her and he takes her plops her down on the bed she swaddled he takes that blanket and pulls it and she like flips around and I'm like what are you doing what are you doing he's like you're not going to break her. God has been blessing people with babies who are far more, more rough than you. You're not going to break this child. Don't be an idiot, but you're not going to break her. Don't be afraid of her. And so that's, when I think of gentleness, that's, that's the picture I get. Uh, in the book, uh, Paul Tripp talks about his son um, bringing what they think was flowers to his wife. And they think it was flowers because by the time they got to his wife, they were just stems. Because his son lacked gentleness. Now, this, this was really telling. He said his wife had the, uh, the capacity to make up for that. So she took those few remaining buds off of those stems and put them in a shallow crystal dish of water just to preserve what little beauty was left there. And she praised him for his gift that she had put here. We can be like, his, we can be like the kid bringing in stems to God because we are not gentle. But he knows. He can take whatever gift we bring and we present to him and he can work miracles with it. Um, in my relationship with my kids, my issue is the tone of my voice. Um, in fact, just, uh, just the other day, Emma was talking. You know, she's 16. There's, there's drama all around. Uh, and I was in there talking to her. And I said, yeah, it just makes me mad. You know, and this was drama she was not involved in. You know, it was just things that were going on around her. I said, you know, it just makes me mad. And Sarah's like, time out. <laughs> she looked at me. She said, watch your tone. And she looked at him and she said, it makes, he is mad for you, not at you. Um, gentleness is what I lack. God has graciously given me a wife to point that out and to help me along with it. It might not be a wife, it might not be a husband, it might be a friend, it might, it might just be the Holy Spirit that will help you with these areas. Um, because again, these are freely given in the storehouse of God. Um, the final step of repentance, so we've seen embracing the gospel, we've seen confession, we've seen commitment, but the final step is actual change. Second um, Peter chapter one verses three through nine. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. 
For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. The thing that I love about this passage of Scripture is they're building blocks. Add to your faith. Your faith is the very bottom level. Add to your faith virtue. Next level. To virtue, knowledge. Next level. So this is a this is a lifelong building program. You're never going to be finished. We're never going to to have this Christian life built up and completed. It is going to be a lifelong building program that God is going to help along with. And here's the way that happens. If I'm adding to my faith virtue and to virtue uh, knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance, he's also going to build my faith. So that little foundation is getting broader. And as it gets broader and my, my building gets taller, that's my testimony. Now as it's growing, people are seeing that. Now it's something that, okay, there's something going on there. I need to talk to Kendall and find out what's going on here. I don't know if, if, if any of you are curious like I am, but if I, if I see a construction, you know, if I, on my, on my drive, up there uh, on the north side, uh, Max Leggett and, and Main Street, we moved in. There was land that had just been cleared. Wonder what they're going to do there. You just watch it as I drive by. You know, you start to see dirt moving a little bit. All of a sudden, there's a news article. The VA is building a, a, a nice facility out there. Okay. And then you watch it as it grows, as it builds. Um, it's the same way with this, with this building of our Christian life. It should be a spectacle. That's not why we should do it. We shouldn't be doing it so people see us. We should be doing it because we want to please God. But if we're doing it and we're doing it well, it's going to be noticed. It's going to be something that people will see and people will say, there's something going on there. And so when you get the, get the occasion to sit down with them and they get to say, I've seen, some, I've seen some changes in you. What's going on? Well, that in and of itself is the easiest way to share Christ. When we think about the fact that we hold... I've been in churches where they do this. You raise your Bible up, you know, and the Joel Osteen would say, this is, this, is, this is the word of God. I am what I say it is, or I am what it says I am, a heretic. Um, <laughs> but there have been people who have taken the missions uh, cards that are in the, the seat back pockets there, that you would hold them up and say, I'm holding somebody's ticket to heaven. Well, that's kind of powerful but the fact of the matter is for those that you know and those that you love 
this is their ticket to heaven. You, I'm not going to say you may be, you will be the only gospel that some people ever get to know. And if our words are not up to standards, why would they want what you have? It's just something for us to think about as, as, we're, as we're looking this, and I think we've got two more weeks in the study, um, Brother Andy next week, and then I'll, I'll wrap up the month of March uh, on the 23rd. But as we, as we start to really draw this, this thing to a close, am I ready to make that change? I know I need to. So prayerfully, examine your life. We know the importance of our words. We know the damage that they can cause. We know the, the good that they can be. But then as, as we are really looking and examining it, our hearts. I was climbing through an attic today, just listening to the, to the lesson again and just thinking, I mean, this is, it's hitting home. Like, am I ready to do that about face? Now, I'm not wearing the proper shoes or I would actually do the ROTC spin, but, you know, it's been 20 plus years. Um, but am I ready? Have, have I truly seen myself through the lens of the Bible to know what changes I need to make? And am I ready to do that? Let's pray. Father, I love you, and again, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak to your people today, and, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to all just examine uh, our hearts, Lord, not just our words, uh, Lord, but, the, uh, but our hearts. Lord, I think about the, um, the hydrangea, Lord, that, uh, yeah, the, it, it will, we can plant it and it will grow, but the bloom, the color of the bloom, depends on the soil. And Lord, I pray that it could be said of each and every one of us that the soil of our heart will produce beautiful blooms of um, Christian testimonies and a Christian walk that would be pleasing to you. Father, be with us as we leave this place. I pray that you would be with uh, the yard sale this weekend, Lord. I pray that you would give us uh, a, an unconventional opportunity to share Christ with others, Lord, to see some from our community and our neighborhood uh, come visit us at church and ultimately come to know you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen.